Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn, and I'm on the product design team at Ballard. We're your hosts. Let's do some trials and triumphs before this episode. Who's the best ones? I always do. <laughs> Damn it! Fine. I'm so All right, so Karen's going last because hers are the best. Right. I'll go first. Okay. Mine. I'm gonna put mine as my trial triumph in the same boat. Um, did I tell you that I finally just again? It's just simple things in life, right? Like sure. My white dinner plates had them since we got married. They were kind of a cold white, so I never love loved them. Anyway. Really? Yeah, but they were plain white. That's so interesting. And it's so funny. It wasn't quite right white. It was a wasn't cold. It the right it white. Was, yes, which you, is totally dumb. And, of course, my husband hard rolled his eyes, but. Of course. Wait, I don't understand how they weren't the. They're a blue. They're a bluey white. I mean, they feel, okay. they feel cold. They don't. Okay. It's just not the right shade of white. Yeah, Got I it. get it. I get it. Anyway. But a husband were, would totally roll his eyes at this yeah, conversation. Yeah, they have like a thinner lip. And my husband likes the thin, thinner lip edge to mm-hmm. hold on to. Whatever. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, so I let it go. But I finally was like. Forget it. And I checked those to Goodwill and got myself. Wait, our, this was your wedding china that you got rid of? It's not china. My everyday. Your everyday. Got it. So I literally used them every day for dinner mm-hmm. time. So mm-hmm. for six years. And so I got, I went ahead and bought our cafe white plates. Oh, the Ballard ones? And oh, they're amazing. They're just a great. They're kind of cold too, though, aren't they? Mm-mm. They're much warmer than one. They're I a good. Oh, okay. I'll say, I think they're a great white. It's mm-hmm. clean. But it's not that cold color. Anyway. That is a big splurge, Taryn. Well, no, not, they're not expensive. Not. Well, no, but, but they, I mean, to think like oh. I'm going to get rid of all my stuff and buy a whole new set, I feel like that's a big well, event. I was just no? proud of myself. I feel like we should, like listeners should also, if you have something that's just like. Every day you hate it. And every day, <sighs> yes. And it wasn't, again, it's not a huge expense. I could have done it years ago when I hated them, but I right. like whatever. Instead you bought shoes. Yeah, and I still probably will <laughs> yeah. buy shoes on top of these plates. But um, anyway, it was such a good because now when I pull out the dishes, I really am much happier. Like, it's like a small thing. No, if I didn't like my Victory. everyday plates, I would be mad every yeah. day. Yeah. Okay, here is something that I feel like is important to consider when shopping for your everyday stuff. Go. Test out what a stack of 10 feels like. Because you, you know don't even carry those around? Yeah. Oh. Like, you know, I always personally, like, some plates are really heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, my mom, she has these plates that apparently my dad talked her into and she hates them. And See, she needs to listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, so but if you pick up a like stack me. of 10, like I physically cannot lift that off the shelf. Uh, uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because they're so heavy and like uh-huh. you're kind of holding it at an awkward angle. I'm holding my arms out into the air. But maybe Mm -hmm. my arms are just like little chicken arms. But I literally cannot pick up a stack. Yeah, you you can't pick up the stack from the dishwasher to then like load back on. Also, you guys are both acting out putting your dishes up high. Mine are all below the counter. That's nice. That's smart. Mm -hmm. I put my glasses above and my plates and bowls and everything below. So are they in a drawer or are they in a cabinet? Cabinet. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. Which I really like. And also, because the heavy, you don't have to lift the heavy stuff from above because glasses are not heavy. Yeah. 
My dream, my dream is to have all the like drawers you pull out. Yeah, stuff. Those are yeah. always so gorgeous. So I only hot. have that one in one place in my kitchen, and I do love just like it's cabinet doors, and then three of the pull-out yeah. drawers, and it's so nice. Yeah, those are nice. Well, here's something too. Okay, just on the topic of everyday stuff and where to put it and how to do it. Um, we're moving, and so we're like, I'm planning out like where's everything gonna go, and. I learned it's extremely important to put your everyday stuff next to your dishwasher. So like in the cabinet next to your dishwasher Mm -hmm. or right above or whatever, it makes unloading it so much easier. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so. Mm -hmm. And as your children are growing, put it where they can access it so you don't have to get them a bowl or a plate. Do it yourself. Smart. See, but okay. And I get that, but I feel like that's a little, Mm -hmm. it's too early for me. Oh, for you know you. what I mean? Yeah, like, you're not. You I, got years before that. Like, I don't want her to be able to access it just yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. because it's breakable. So I don't I want have, her to get into I it. I have but, the in between. You know, was actually like, my trial because I have officially started to need the bowls with the suction cups on the bottom of it uh, because my son is now at the perfect age of just chucking crap across the kitchen. That's where we're at. Like when he you can't he'll eat no. a few bites. I do say no. What do you think I'm doing in there? Just giggling while he's chucking oatmeal across the kitchen? <laughs> no, I, I started feeding him in the kitchen, too. Like, we were trying to sit down at the dining room table and eat together, and I just got my rugs cleaned. I can't mm. have him in there right sheet. now. Put a sheet under him. I could. I could. Anyway, we just do the kitchen right now, so <laughs> that Baylor can look it up, and then I can mop behind. It's mm-hmm. a system. We mm-hmm. have a system. Okay. But the kid crap, that's the trial right now is I need, like, I just bought another set of the bowls with, like, the suction cup because at least I need to, he's not, like, throwing them across the kitchen right now. It helps Mm. a little bit. Yeah. And then it's, like, to my point, I'm, like, well, where do I store this? Because the only section I had that was kind of open was near my new stack of clean white plates. And I was, like, but those are gorgeous. Yeah. I don't want these. (laughs) They do make ugly kid stuff. It's because that's what kids want. If you get the pretty stuff, they like, I swear, they know it's uglier. And they're like, if they've never seen the ugly, then they don't have a choice. Yeah, but give them cute Try things. to find cute suction cup ones. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Kids have all ugly. Yes. Yeah. And it always has to be like the most offensive shade of like lime green. I'm and like, blue what's wrong with or like. pink and orange. Or yeah. I have questions. I want to go and question someone at these companies. There has to be a reason. Or, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's rough. I'm so glad my kids I, are It old. is rough. Somebody is rolling their eyes hard. It is yeah. rough. I cannot find my the life. right color white of That's what we call kid stuff. first world problems. 100%. My, my kid stuff that is completely That's unbreakable true. is not adult enough looking. Yeah. It's <laughs> stylish. It away. It's not stylish. Anyway, so I can put those down low where Elliot can access them was my point. Yes. <laughs> and snacks that they are allowed to eat, put it where they can get to it so you don't have to do it. Yeah. And the food in the fridge that they can eat, put it where they can get to it so you don't have to do it. Great tips, yeah. Karen. Like You're saying. welcome. <laughs> she did everything before so that we can learn from her. Yes. So kind of you. Keep asking. Okay, those are mine. You won't like my answers. <laughs> Um, okay, so I had the mother of all trials last week, y'all. Ooh, you should have seen me last Friday strong. was, okay, so. Wait, that's better than rat. <laughs> all right, well, you gauge. Better than, see, okay, let's do it. jealous. You tell me. <laughs> Water through your roof, into your child's bed. All right, bed. let's hear it. Oh, fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I'll judge. Did your kid eat dirt? <laughs> That's not that bad. I know. I agree. <laughs> okay. So as you know, 
I'm homeless right now. Mm. We're living with my, I'm just going to paint a picture for you. Mm. So we're living with my in-laws and they're wonderful. I mean, like, you know, it's really not that bad, but it's like, it's always better I'm to in be a in different, house, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in a different place. Oh, I forgot your um, hairbrush. Sorry. <laughs> it's, I have one actually. Okay. <laughs> I found one. She didn't um, pack a hairbrush. <laughs> and then also all last week, my husband was out of the country. So I was by myself and Blair had not started her new school. So I was like driving all across town, to take her to school. Okay. So all of this was already sort of like a stressful week for me. So we planned um, to have, you know, I've told y'all about my floors. We're getting them refinished. So the flooring guy started last week. And on Thursday, I went by, I've been like going by on my lunch break just to like see how things are going. Um, Thursday, I go by and I walk into our master bedroom and I can see my crawl space. They had completely ripped up like over half of the floor, which was not planned. They were just going to sand it. And I walk in and they're meanwhile, like with crowbars basically, or whatever the, I don't know what the tool is, like pulling up the floor. And I was like, what, what are you doing? Like, no, this room, like, cause there was a section of the house. We had to pull up the old floor and put down new, but, um, that was not in this room. So, so did like, your mind immediately go to, oh my gosh, you're doing the wrong room. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, what? that mm-hmm. heck is going on like stop stop what you're doing like let me call the yeah. guy what's happening long story short is they um felt like the floor was too soft so like i guess it was giving too much mm-hmm. when they were walking on it and preparing to sand it mm-hmm. so they were like we we're gonna pull it up they didn't tell me that they were gonna do this but they pulled it up the subfloor was rotted mm. Then they pulled up the subfloor and they were like, we need to replace all of the actual joists <gasps> because the joists have water damage. There's oh. water damage that your The inspector didn't see any of this? There's water damage that your inspector didn't, that we didn't know about. Anyway, so I'm like flipping out. I call the inspector. I'm like, why didn't you find this? Like, why is this just happening? You know, like we could have, inspector and comes by. it's middle of the night for Will and Asia. Yeah, exactly. So you're you're mm. literally handling all of this. Yeah. You didn't even call him yet. You're just. Oh, I bet she called him. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> you heard about it. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay, do I need to like, do, do, like, we have a home warranty. Are they going to cover it? Like what's happening? Essentially the long and short of it is that this one room in the house is the, is the only room in the house where the crawl space was too shut. Like, I don't know if you've ever had an inspection, but essentially if you have a crawl space, they will only go to a certain depth. Uh So most of the house was either basement or the crawl space was deep enough where they inspected it mm-hmm. except the back half of this one room mm-hmm. where it was 17 inches they only go to 24 so basically it was not in our inspection there was nothing they could have done until like their only way they would have seen it is if they had pulled up the floor so the inspector comes over and he's like actually your joists are fine you know your joists are fine the structure is fine but you have mold and you need to replace all this HVAC ductwork because it has mold in it. And you had have, have that remediated. And while your floor is up, you need to have your radon. Re- Anyways, so. <laughs> How much did that cost? That's what I want to know. I don't want to know. I do. Um, well, <laughs> so actually, it it's so long. So I don't want to like bore all right, with the details. Fine. But. Anyways, before they can put the floor back down, we have to have the mold guy in there yep. and the HVAC guy in there and the radon guy in there. So now you're delayed. So now we're delayed, like, Good thing at least like a week in-laws. and a half. So, 
Yeah. So that is, I don't know, Taryn, is that bad enough for you? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crappy. You win. You win. So anyways. Can I come stay at your house, Karen? Sure. You got a pool? Yeah, yeah. that's true. A great basement. Lot. There's rosé on tap. Yeah. I mean. Come on. Oh, my God. Even if you can't get in the house, <laughs> you got to go to the pool. I want to go hang out by the pool, it all actually. week, and we can just treat it as a vacation. Will's like, where are you, honey? Did you not come home? Or in the basement. <laughs> you could bring him. With the rosé. <gasps> yes. I have, like, the one great thing about staying. I mean, well, no, there are lots of great things, actually, about staying with my in-laws. But babysitter. Nice. Extra set. Two extra sets of hands. Nice. On call all the time. It's, it's great. so great. Anyway, so, yeah, we may never move in. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Was but, there a triumph in any there? Anywhere in there? No, okay. I, haven't, I haven't gotten to the <laughs> no. bar yet. Um, let's see. What is triumph my triumph? Triumph is good in-laws? That's what yeah. it sounds like. Triumph now. Uh, no, there's really... Do you like the floor color you selected? Yes. Okay, there you go. There's my triumph. Yeah, because so, you were worried. Um, Nervous, so they've, they At this point, they've like sanded pretty much the whole house. Um, there are like a couple little places they needed like do it a little bit more and whatever. But... They took off the... Y'all, I love it. Because you're just so, going real natural. I don't think I'm going to put any finish on it at all. I told the guy... I was don't like, you have I to might... protect it a little? Well, I'm sorry. Uh, no stain. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. We'll put a finish on it. But I'm going to do a matte finish. I don't know if I've already said that, but... Um, so it'll just do... look like raw wood. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. That's kind of where I'm going. And I'm really excited that they took the stain off. And I love it. I think it looks so good. That's I just awesome. I'm going to go with the natural I bet wood. it makes it feel modern. It's, it looks so much bigger, too. Mm-hmm. Before it was super dark... You know, Which, museums always have light wood in them, you know, mm-hmm. and I always feel so modern in a museum. And my overall inspiration for this house, because it has big windows, it's all in the treetops. It just, I want it to feel very natural because like you see just canopy from all of the rooms. And so I really want to play off that and like kind of emphasize that all of the nature around you. So, um, yeah, so that's my trial, I guess. I mean, my triumph is the floor looks pretty. They do have to put, they do have to, there are a couple places that have some, like a little water spots. They'll have to put down new, but um, it's just like three little spots, but it looks really good. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. I'm, I'm pumped about that. And, and I was a little nervous because of course, Will got home and he, before he left was just like, cause we had planned for while he was gone for it to be done like start to finish. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't going to see it, but he was like, I trust you. Just, you know, do whatever. That's so great. <laughs> and, but, and so he came back and I was like, okay, well, he'll now have a say because they won't be able to finish it for two weeks. So I hope he likes what I like. He'll like it. And he did. He, we saw it and he's like, I love it. It looks awesome. So good. Yeah. That's my triumph. Yay. That's a huge triumph. <laughs> it doesn't quite outshine the trial, but it's still yeah, good. That's so good. I'll take my I'm just glad my wins when I can. With you living in the home. Like, that's true. And like, like uh, if yeah. we hadn't mm-hmm. pulled the floor up, we wouldn't have fixed that water damage and it would have just gotten worse. And then we'd have to redo it eventually. So yeah. I'm trying to look at the bright, mold. Yeah. So I'm trying to look on the bright side, but it is just like, wait, we'll never move in. <laughs> and anyways, it's coming. Yeah. The expense and the time and it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Karen, your turn. Okay. So, um, you know, in the basement, the never-ending basement saga. I put in a wine cellar. Are we aware? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. cute. It's super cute. Um, well, we put in one of those thumbprint locks. <gasps> oh, that's cool and exciting mm-hmm. and fancy. Man, I know. Karen. I found it on Amazon. Um, 
And but we now it's installed, and we can't find the instructions. Nobody knows how to put their thumbprint in. <laughs> so you oh can't God, even awesome. get into the room right now. No, we, there's a code. You can use the code and get in, but it's a pain. Like beep 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 beep, boom. But I want the thumb, so I've got to figure out. <laughs> Did what, it come with the device off Amazon? Yeah, it came with instructions and everything. Can well, you, you just have them send you new instructions? I would just well, I would reorder I, yes. it and then send well, it back. Well, oh. I'm sure if I go back to my Amazon account, figure out what I bought six months ago, whatever, then Google yeah. that. I'm sure I can track this down. It's just right now you <laughs> haven't, and it's driving you nuts. Yeah, it's somewhere in my house. But it's probably something you don't think about until you're walking past it, which is not. So you need some wine. Like, until you want it. Yeah. yeah. And Joe, you know, he doesn't throw anything away. Joe Mooney. He loves, you know, every instruction thing you get with your television. You know, the, the does he have television? Does he have instruction manuals to televisions that you no longer have? Yes, <laughs> he has remotes for televisions we no longer have. Joe Mooney Where? has every cell phone he's ever owned, like from nineteen ten. This <laughs> in random bins. I don't know. Where do you let him store this? He's allowed to have, I think, two bins in the basement. But I think like the the, <laughs> the you know the maintenance manuals and stuff he he's hiding up in his office somewhere. But I mean you don't even know where they are. So he of course has that somewhere, but I don't know where it is. And who needs it anymore? You've got YouTube. You've got the internet. So anyway, yeah. I can't get in the wine cellar. Joe Mooney's no help, even though he is a hoarder. Okay, that's my trial. <laughs> Those are good trials. <laughs> my triumph has. Oh, there's a little yeah. sound for you. My triumph is has to do with my backyard. So. I had my guy, John Page, I love you, John Page, underneath my stairs, build me a closet and put in an mm-hmm. outdoor shower. Yes. Oh. Yes. So when you guys come over next week while I'm out of town, there's an outdoor shower. You don't even need to move into my house. You can just live outside. So That's awesome. I love an outdoor news. shower. But my under stair storage is sublime because I had him build me like a little cage for my noodles for the pool. So they stand you up. You talked in this about it on the last cage. episode. I did? Yeah. Oh, and then he built like a thing for my floats. It's all awesome. It's all done. It's all, oh, he showed it to me I want Tuesday. Photos. And I was just in love. So excited. Yeah. So organized. Uh huh. Oh, the uh-huh. dream. Makes me so is happy for true. you. I know. We need some pictures. Okay. We need some pictures of the backyard. They don't have to be like magazine quality, Karen. We really? just want to see. Can we yeah. just come over to Grose and let our babies swim in yeah. the pool? Of course. Come over tomorrow. It's supposed to be beautiful in Atlanta. Okay. Here's another trial of mine, guys. You only get one. I know, but this is just on the topic of pools. Trial hog. So, <laughs> y'all, I packed very in a hurry, when, I, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. because I didn't pack a hairbrush. Right. I also didn't pack a freaking swimsuit because I'm an idiot. I have like 9,000 you can borrow. So, I would just fit into your swimsuit, Karen. Go to Target. I would find that to be an excuse to buy a new one. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but here's the thing. After the baby came, I had a a bachelorette party, and so I ordered this super cute black one piece that I have not been able to wear yet, and now it's in a pot at some place. So I'm real You're too young for a one piece. Go get a bikini. No, but it's a really cute, sassy one piece. (laughs) It's sassy one piece. All right. It's one of those Mara Hoffman ones with the tie. that It's really cute. Well, you can borrow one of mine because you and I are closer in shape. (laughs) Anyway, so no one can see in our backyard, so you could technically skinny dip. I was like, what an idiot. Who cares for the summer and doesn't bring a swimsuit? This one. Anyways. You are wearing a sweater right now. That's true. In June. What? All right, let's get to our guests. Let's I do can't it. Wait. Yay. All 
right, our guest today is designer Matthew Carter. You're a designer in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. I'm like <laughs> trying to talk to you fast. I want to get to our questions. Your work has been featured in House Beautiful, Southern Living, and actually the cover of the issue that you were in House Beautiful was, I mean, sorry, it was your home and you were on the cover. That's right. Yeah, we were um, we were fortunate enough to be on the cover in the May issue, I believe, of uh, 2018 which was a, a huge highlight. It was this gorgeous sort of gold velvet Yeah, like a sofa. chartreuse green uh, oh, yeah, velvet okay. sofa. And I was actually walking through the Atlanta airport and I hadn't seen the magazine yet. And I walked by, you know, Hudson News or whatever it was. And there it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you that's, know? that's such a good story. Yeah. <laughs> Did you linger near it just to see if anyone... <laughs> I, I, I had a little, you know, meltdown with I excitement hope you got a picture. and <laughs> I did yeah <laughs> so it was it was great did you know that you were gonna be on the cover I did okay. yeah so the um editor at that point was yeah let me know but I hadn't seen the pictures so uh it was Gosh. it was great to see it yeah I bet that was a good it, I'm sure it was fun for it to be a surprise in a way. To totally. You know? To totally. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that has to be a surreal moment. They keep moment. those covers under wraps, you know, until kind of the end. And, yeah. And I was excited, but but then even more excited to actually, you know, uh, see it. Yeah. So it was <laughs> well, I'm great. sure there's, there is a certain amount of pride when one of your client projects is featured. Sure. But then when it's your own home. Yeah. That's yeah. got to be a whole other. It is because it's just, I mean, I think it's something that every designer certainly aspires to mm -hmm. and and it's um getting i think more difficult to get into these publications and and it's but it's um but it, it was it was great gosh well looking through your portfolio i love the way you use color because you use it a lot yeah i feel like you a lot of your rooms have sort of bold accents of color but there's never it never seems like there's a very rigid like color palette and it just feels very collected and you never see a, a shot and you're like, oh, this is like a blue and green room. Right. But it's just used so organically, I guess. And a lot of that I think is just me leaving certain things to chance. Mm -hmm. So what I do with clients and myself is I'll show a room scheme of a few fabrics, maybe a rug, you know, um, a few key pieces of furniture, but then I leave probably 40% of the room to, to, to chance. So I'll go out shopping. I do not typically show paint colors in the first wow. okay. uh, first meeting. So we develop the paint schedule uh, toward the tail end of the project when, you know, everything is getting going and I can see the light. And mm -hmm. if it's local, then I can go and, you know, kind of meditate in the rooms and just kind of let it flow a bit more organically than just boom, 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 picking all the paint colors with the fabrics. And I feel like for me, it just is a is um, a, a more kind of casually organic way of doing things. It's, and it doesn't look so matched. It doesn't. It you know? feels like there's a story and a, I don't know. I think there, it feels I think like there should be a there. thread through these rooms, you know, but I don't mm -hmm. think that they all have to just work perfectly together. I don't love when things... Um, match per se you know right. I love just having a collected beautiful house it feels like it's evolved whether it was you know whether we've worked on it for 10 years or we've worked on it for 10 months yeah mm -hmm. you know? so then where where do you start I start with 
I start with fabrics. Okay. I mean, I kind of have a scheme in my my head of what the house or what the room should look like, and it's mm-hmm. always, you know, based on the client and their interests. And but I start with um, fabrics, a furniture layout, and I kind of, you know, label the main pieces. But then I go, you know, four weeks before an installation, and I shop for all the tables and and mm. lamps and and just kind of let it build. Yeah. Rather than planning everything in the beginning. And that for me has worked out well because I think the clients appreciate particularly where we are in Kentucky. It's just uh, I work on a lot of horse farms. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want things that look super decoratory, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't really work with a farm. No. And it, and it doesn't work with a house in town. And I just think that it needs to be um, more casually put together. I feel like your style is very unique in that way. Thank it's, you. It's your yeah. own for sure. Thank it's you. very classic. And I kind of wanted yeah. to speak on wh- how did you, you know, again, you have this very classic look. How did you come to find that way? Or has this been a natural thing your whole life? It's been a bit of a natural thing. I mean, I will say I was I was on a, at the uh, ADAC panel yesterday with uh, Bunny Williams and Ashley Whitaker. And we were all talking about like what kind of decorating was happening when we first started. And for me, I started in the late 90s, early 2000s, and there was a lot of cream everywhere. And so I was doing color for clients, but my house was very kind of tonal and just very simple colors. And I was um, I was shopping somewhere for fabrics for clients, and I came across that chartreuse green velvet mm. that is now my living room sofa. And I just kind of had this like bling moment in my head of, you know, this is something that I love. And so it just kind of built from there. And I started doing more and more kind of punchy colors Mm -hmm. and accents and clients were more apt to, to take that advice and go that route and just kind of built and built. So when you use a strong color like that, do you find your clients, um, tend to be scared or because you're there sort of holding their hand, they are willing to make a risk? I think it depends on the client. I mean, certainly a lot of clients are willing to make the risk. It's not like a strong color on a wall is not appropriate for every situation. And I'm pretty good. I feel like at reading who's, who that reflects, you Mm -hmm. know, like I I don't suggest it for everyone, but I do think that, you know, I love a softer palette too, where like the walls could be a pale pink in one room and they could be an apple green in another room. And then it goes to a French gray. And I remember I was doing a farm, um, that the client, you know, we, the colors were all painted and there was no furniture in the house yet. And Mm. she came and she said, you know, Matt, I just, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> I'm not, you know, help me here. And because the the living room was a pale pink, the the uh, entry hall was a strong green, and and then there was yeah. this French gray in the dining room. And she's like, I just, I'm not there. <laughs> and I said, do me a favor, wait until the curtains go up, the rugs go in, and the furniture happens. And then if you don't like it, I'll repaint it myself. And she said, deal. That is, that, that's when you <laughs> yeah. know you believe. Yeah. If you're the one willing to repaint it yeah, I personally. Mean, I, I, I wouldn't have, but. <laughs> but you knew you didn't need but to. You I knew used you it for some to. leverage. And um, so she agreed and she, and she loves it. And yeah. it was published and, and it's sensational. And it just 
proves that if you're willing to take a bit of a chance on something that's so easy to change, <laughs> because really paint is the easiest thing to change, right. that it can really have great results. Yeah. Well, I do. I mean, there's certain times where I'm like, because I, when I was looking through your portfolio and there's one, there was one room in particular, it looked like a sort of the top of a stair landing. And there was a um, round table with four velvet ottomans underneath the table. Mm, yes. And they were a bright sort of canary yellow. Uh-huh. And I just was thinking like, how, where does the inspiration for that color come from? Did it come from another room and you were sort of connecting them? Was it just... You know, in that house, it didn't. It just came from the fact that I felt like that room needed a punch. And so the clients really love contemporary art and they're collectors of, of great contemporary art. And the rooms have punches of color. Like in the living room of that house, there's a really beautiful, deep, like peacocky blue tufted velvet banquette in another room. And so there are punches of saturated color against fairly neutral backgrounds. Uh-huh. So that what that is, is a kind of a, a double uh, entry hall. So it's a long entry hall that um, we lacquered in a soft gray. And there's like a Moroccan rug in the first part of the entry hall and the simple sisal in, in that part of the entry hall. And, you know, I just felt like it needed a, a little jolt and something unexpected rather than just everything being super restrained, you know? Yeah. Well, it made it so happy. Yeah, it is. It's a great color. It's a happy color. And I think that those, and you show someone a a swatch of a, of a sample like that, and it's pretty intense in a swatch and it's, and it's happily intense in person. But, but, you know, I just said, trust me, it, it's, it's good. It's what the room needs. Right. So, well, it was gorgeous. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it was Thank you. <laughs> um, you're also really great about um, like the layouts have mm-hmm. these moments and you have, you know, these different little sitting areas. Yes. Can you help to describe how a person knows when and when to break up a room and when to make those moments? Because you you do a fabulous job of making it seamless. Thank you. I, you know, I think the bigger the room, I, I always want people to feel comfortable. And in a big room that has a sofa and four club chairs, I just don't think that's particularly comfortable. Mm. You know, so I remember being really young and just kind of pouring over Sister Parish's, you know, designs and Albert Hadley mm. and Billy Baldwin and all the greats that everyone talks about. But what I really noticed is the way they arranged furniture. And I remember, I think it was Sister Parish that said, the, the best furniture arrangement is after you have a party, just see where all the chairs end up, you know, and that like is, that. yeah. that's a, a lot. There's a lot of truth in that. Right. So I really try to think of how the client entertains if they're just, if it's just a family and they don't entertain very often, or if they're having parties constantly and you need mm-hmm. lots of little drinks, tables and people, places for people to perch, you know, I think Ottomans are a, fabulous way to have an extra spot for three people to sit down right. at a party and have a cocktail. That's you know? true. It's, you know, I've never thought about that because you think like, oh, well, you don't have a back, so you can't really sit in it. But at a cocktail party, you're never really sitting for that long. Yeah. And I think people like to come and go and, mm. and you know, be comfortable, but not get too squishy. And, yeah. you know, I think it's great to have different options for different people. I don't. Now, now let me ask you this. Okay. So 
I imagine if you are maybe taking a husband and wife to try out some, you know, sit in yeah. things, uh-huh. then do you do you sort of preface it by saying, now, FYI, this is not a chair that's going in your TV room. Yes. Like all the time. Okay. And it can be a bit of a struggle, mm-hmm. particularly for husbands who want everything to be comfortable for them. Right. You know, it's like, you know, other people have to be comfortable in your house too. So just because mm-hmm. you have a, you know, 18th century French fauteuil chair that is going to be sculptural and also comfortable for someone to sit in for 30 minutes at a party doesn't mean that you have to sit there and watch, you know, a basketball game. Right. So I think there are just different applications for different, you know, pieces of furniture. Yeah. And we always try to mix it up. Because that's something I've thought about, like, okay, if I'm trying to sell this to my husband, he is not going to, like, his big six foot frame is not... Exactly. Into that. But right. yeah, I feel like. And I like, think once you explain it like that, uh-huh. I mean, 99% of the time they, yeah, they yeah. get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I do, I love the way you sprinkle in little um, petite, but striking chairs. Yeah. And I love, like, I can't sell enough slipper chairs. Like, I just think mm-hmm. they work everywhere and they're comfortable for almost everyone, you know, and they just pull up to, you know, if you have, I don't know, two feet you can fit in a little slipper chair and a drinks table next to it. And it just always works. And I don't even plan necessarily where some of them go. I mean, I love just to find odd, interesting chairs at the end of a project and just leave it to chance and sprinkle them around. Now for a slipper chair, are you really using like a skirted, like sort of, I With use, a loose cushion or is it? I use a few different types. So there's a low kind of Turkish style button corner sort of thing that has a tight seat and a tight back that I love. And it has kind of a flouncy skirt. And I do a lot what I call like a shoulder pad in it. And it just makes the skirt kind of <laughs> billow out a little bit. And then my upholster will just pinch the corners. And mm-hmm. so it's a really, it's a really pretty chair. Uh-huh. You know, I love like a tailored um, Billy Baldwin slipper chair for other instances. And but, you know, I, th- I think there are uh, so many different applications and so many different styles that I love to mix in. Now, talk to us about the banquette because they you do use them a lot in your yeah. work. Yeah. What application is right? How, what's the right application for a banquette? You know, I love them on either side of, of a fireplace where you can go wall to wall. You know, and create these little interesting conversation moments, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it makes the room arrangement a little more unexpected rather than just having maybe a pair of club chairs at Frank flank a fireplace. Right. There are plenty of instances where that looks equally as good, but I just think that not everything has to be the same. You know, if you have a weird corner, I think it's a great place to pull up a corner bank hat and a slipper chair. They just have to be comfortable. You know, I have seen banquettes where they're like, I don't know, look like they're 20 inches deep and no one really wants to sit down. Right. I mean, you I really believe out. in I really believe in comfort. Like it, if you're going to put it there, make sure someone can sit in it and, you know, uh-huh. have a cup of tea or a glass of wine and be comfortable. So if someone is um, trying to lay out their living room, maybe they don't even have anything to put in there. Do you start with a sofa? How do you, if you've got a blank empty or a big empty space... Where do you even start with that? Well, I, I think you start with, I think you start with a sofa, and I think you start with the the 
the best sofa that you can afford, whatever that is, you know, Mm -hmm. because there are plenty of people that you don't have to, you know, have a super high end sofa to get a good look. I mean, I think that there are plenty of um, places like Ballard Designs that have really appropriately (laughs) scaled furniture. Mm -hmm. You know, forever, I feel like the, the mass marketed upholstery was just gigantic mm-hmm. you know like who buys this stuff right but now i feel like everyone has really done such a great job of having appropriately scaled upholstered furniture yeah um and i think you just need to determine what size that sofa is i mean you know I, there are some instances and in rooms that a six-foot sofa is really the way to go mm-hmm. and then others where you can go bigger i think it just depends on kind of your situation do you like to float the sofa? Does it face this? I mean, I know, obviously, there's no one arrangement. Yeah, you know, I don't typically float a lot of sofas. I mean, I can think of a handful of times that I have, mm-hmm. but I really like a sofa to be anchored against something, whether it's in between windows, against a big wall, you know, and, and that being said, um, next week I'll probably float a sofa. But, <laughs> you know, it just, it just depends. It. Yeah, it just depends. With those um, groupings I kind of spoke to with your layouts, how do you handle the rug in general? Again, I know each case is different, but would I, if I did two little chairs up against my fireplace, but then I did, you know, my sofa kind of arrangement, would I do two different rugs? Or would you try to do one big rug? You know, I think I, I really prefer either room size rugs or two or three different rugs that make up a room size mm. rug. So mm. a lot so of So you're talking same same material. Ha- okay. Yeah. So if say we do if we have a, a giant living room that has really you can't do one big rug. It's just too too big. Right. You like a lot of times I'll break up the seating areas with different rugs uh, out of the same material and mm. leave, you know, four or five inches in between of of wood showing. And it just gives mm. a nice delineation mm-hmm. of of space. Uh-huh. And I think it feels comfortable. That was that was on my list of questions to ask. Well, because there's a, there's a room that you did in um, Lyford K, I believe, uh-huh. and you did that. You had a sort of a um, yeah, exactly. Kind of a Moroccan... and yeah, they were they were Moroccan rugs that were um, made for that room, and the room was just too big to to do one mm-hmm. giant rug. And also, I felt like visually it needed to be. It, at least it was more interesting to break it up, uh-huh. you know, and I thought it was more interesting to run those rugs kind of counterintuitively to the way you would typically run a rug in a room that size, whereas you'd run mm-hmm. it lengthwise and we ran two widthwise and then broke up, you know, three, I think, different seating areas among those uh, in the space. So what, and you kind of talked about this, but the four inch, three to four inch space. Cause yeah. that was the thing where I was like, interesting. This works so well, but I would have never left the space because it's the same rug. Yeah. I just think it's, I, I think it goes back to scale. And I think that sometimes rooms, particularly large rooms need to be kind of brought down a bit mm-hmm. and humanized. And I think that that's a great way to just um, break things up okay. and make it a little more casual, you know? Yeah. Like I think two rugs lying there in a, you know, the, the floor is a honed like Coralina stone and, you know, I, the room is, is not informal, but it's not formal, 
You know, right. we have unlined linen curtains and there's a lot to bring down the formality of a few, you know, formal pieces. That makes sense. Yeah. Especially in a room that can be grand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's in Lyford. I mean, it, it, like we don't want it to be too precious. Right. True. You know? True. Mm-hmm. You, um, you also kind of ha- did a great thing with built-ins. I feel like. You don't have them that often, but they you can tell when they're needed. Is there kind of a formula of that too? Is it just when a room need you'll need a lot of furniture in there? So I think built-ins are just such a great way to add architecture to a space. The one thing I will say is that you have to have books in order to have built-ins. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. um, a lot of young people that that don't necessarily have tons of books. I mean, I, I always um, encourage, I mean, a lot of my clients, most of my clients have great collections of books that they've read and had forever and ever and ever, um, which is great. But I always encourage younger clients to get out and even if they're reading it on their whatever device, go out and buy the book, you know, because it just makes a room feel so much more um, comfortable and permanent and um, inviting. Now, I imagine you're not wanting us to buy the paperback version. <laughs> no, right? probably not. No. <laughs> okay. So we need to buy uh, like a pretty. Yeah, just a hardcover. Like I don't love bookcases that are full of just stuff, like mm-hmm. tons of pictures and you know whatever like i love a few objects from travels a few pictures you know i think the very worst thing in the world for a room is a staged bookcase that looks like like i did it you know mm-hmm. i just want books and bookcases and a few you know beautiful objects okay so if i am a reader but i'm not like reading any you know maybe i'm like reading like um nancy drew well, I don't know what it you are. <laughs> sure. Okay. We can go with Nancy Drew, but I'm not reading something that I'm, it's not like a design book or something. Yeah. It shouldn't. I mean, it should Doesn't reflect matter. your, no, it should reflect okay. your interest. I mean, okay. I think the, the, the best rooms that I have done are, have these just interesting um, books on a million different subjects that just speaks to the owner, you know? Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's good. Cause I feel like. Well, first off, design books are expensive. So if you are trying to fill a bookshelf and you feel like you can only do that with yeah, and it's gorgeous so, coffee it, table it books. Just, it's so one note. Like I mm-hmm. I just, I would think that someone would have more interest than just decorating. Right. You know, like I do. <laughs> yeah. There are other no. things in life. Like I, lo- I love a beautiful room, you know, but, but a beautiful room takes more than just, you know, decorators, coffee table books. Right, right. <laughs> What These are the- all my friends. These are their books. <laughs> yeah, right? right. I mean, it's great, but very it. What about cookbooks? Oh, can, uh, you, can you put those in your regular bookshelf or do they have to stay have, in the kitchen? I have cookbooks in my regular bookshelf. I mean, we have we have a bookshelf in our a, a, a little built-in case in our kitchen uh, that has kind of the cookbooks we use constantly. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of our cookbooks are just mixed in in the library. I mean, okay. they have their own little section, but yeah, absolutely. All right. I feel like that's good. Uh, that's freeing. <laughs> yeah. It I think there are no so rules, perfect. you know? I think that just whatever works for your situation is what you should do. Okay. 
Yeah, whatever whatever you need to fill up yours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's Nancy Drew or if it's... And I have book. a few paperback books in my bookcases, so I wouldn't rule that out totally. Okay. <laughs> I feel like... I do too. Yeah. I feel like well, I've if it's a mixed them in, though, where it feels like... Well, we did the color coding on... We had one set of built-ins, yeah. and I'd seen somewhere where they color-coded, like they put all the yellow books and all uh-huh. the green. And I, we did it. It was kind of fun to just kind of... Well, I tell you, one of the my a very dear friend and a great client in their library did the just most clever thing where she had just tons of magazines with colorful colors and magazines on, you know, a dozen different subjects. Mm-hmm. And what she did was she folded them so the cover was facing out, but it was folded kind of in half, bent. I don't know how to describe this, but she filled an entire bookcase up with these magazines. And it is this basically a colorful art installation that is so fabulous. I should show you a picture sometime because it's amazing. And it's just something where they have just a bazillion bookcases. And I mean, someone can only have so many books. Right. So she did this and I'm just was just awestruck. Okay. And so she did it. And you were like, she did it. And you were I like, mean, this it was is there brilliant. when I, I was like, this is brilliant. And you're like, I'm going to steal this. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This might be when they yeah. have colorful folk art that's mixed into this room, that's, that's, it's just, and, and the walls are, you know, clean and, and bright and white. And then there's this really colorful, like old Serapi rug. And it's just magical. I mean, it's really cool. So you didn't do anything in that room. <laughs> I did. I mean, I did. <laughs> I, I, I did. You. I did the curtains and the, the okay. all the upholstered furniture and <laughs> yeah. you know everything else except those those uh, magazines that Very stole cool. the show. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Now, when you're, um, do you often have clients who are bringing lots of items to the project that you're working in, or yes, okay, most of the time. Most of the time. Now, the the one the, the times we tend not to to have that is when we're decorating a second home. Mm, right. So if we're doing a house in Lyford or a house in you know Palm Beach or whatever, and it's someone's second house, then they don't always come to the table with as much. I mean, they'll come with art and maybe a few antiques and that kind of thing, but it's not like their main house right. that we've done. So, and you know, sometimes younger people also, and I always encourage them to you know, just start out and buy the best they can and um, just build on a collection. Mm-hmm. So we have talked a lot on the podcast about brown furniture. Mm-hmm. Do we love it? Do we I hate it? it? Yes, I was going to say, love you it. love it. So I tell mean, us, like talk us I, into I, it. I, you'll I was, even put, I just wanted to say, because we've talked again a lot about this, you'll put a whole, the actual table, dining table with the original chairs too. Yeah, sometimes. Absolutely. I think it depends on, and and some people come to you with that furniture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was having a late night dinner with uh, Bunny Williams last night. We were talking about brown furniture and I said, listen, I think, and I really believe this, there is a way to make anything look modern, mm. you know, including... Chippendale chairs, you know, like I just think that it just depends on how you treat the backgrounds. Right. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that, although I'm sure it can be beautiful sometimes, I wouldn't necessarily put chintz curtains with Chippendale chairs, with a heavy rug, with a, you know, mahogany double pedestal pedestal dining table. Right. I mean, that's not my thing, but I do love 
Uh, I love the the history of of antique furniture, brown mm-hmm. furniture, painted furniture, English furniture, Italian furniture. Like I think it just all works. I just think it's how you how you mix it up. Now, so if I had a Chippendale table and chairs, and I want to use that, what's the box you would create around it then to make it feel? Not like uh, my grandmother handed it to me, and yeah, I didn't know what which I was is doing. what she did. She did, Probably, do it. Yeah. yeah, and that's okay. I mean, it it, it just depends. Great. Like if if they're great chairs, yeah. then I would just upholster them in in an unexpected fabric, like in one of the rooms that was published in the farm um, that was in Southern Living. You know, the chairs are upholstered in Fortuny's tapa, which is kind of a more ethnic inspired, tribally kind of print. Whereas before they had a floral chintz on them, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's a way to mix it up. If they're not, I mean, if they're just mahogany chairs that don't really have any great value, I say paint them, you know, like painted chairs right. are always beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so I think painting them and then using them with a mahogany table is a great way to freshen up a room. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a great table and chairs, you know, maybe you paint the walls a fun like chartreuse green or intense pink or you know and then do simple linen curtains if you have a a gorgeous rug i tend to like rugs that have a bit more life and aren't crazy heavy looking Mm -hmm. so you know i I still think like a gorgeous sultanabad or or indian agra or you know turkish ushak does wonders for any room now i noticed because you use a lot of brown furniture there's a lot of different types of finishes, um, different styles in a room. Is there any sort of, I guess, I feel like a lot of people would get hung up on the fact that like this brown doesn't match that brown and they, like how the, can I you think avoid the key, that? I think the key is that it doesn't match. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. And, you know, with, and, and I, I'm lucky that most of my clients just really trust me. They've seen what I do. Mm-hmm. They've seen the end result. So it's not really a struggle for me to convince them that, you know, this works with that, works with that, you know. And I think it's just so much more interesting when you have different patinas and different woods and mixed with painted furniture and it all just kind of works in a room. Okay. I, I mean, because I think that most people would get like I said, hung up on that, but some it's Some people nice, do, yeah. You know. Some people get hung up on um, like mixing period furniture and they want it to be kind of, I guess you'd say more authentic. But to me, authenticity is in the collaboration and, and the dialogue between just kind of interesting pieces of furniture. Now, when you're, when you're pulling two things together that aren't the same style, they're not the same finish, what is it that brings them together maybe outside of function i think it's scale you know i think it's high and low like going back to i don't think that like every room needs a little bit of every like i don't want everything to be full of like museum quality antiques Mm. you know it first of all i think it's too expensive second of all i just love the quality of mixing in like old wicker baskets or new wicker baskets or you know just a, a cool tray or or an interesting chair that maybe is vintage and you painted and upholstered in a great fabric and i think it comes down to scale and i love like the the what i think albert hadley used to call the 
the skyline of a room, mm. you know, and making things, not everything needs to be, you know, at chest level. Right. You know, you've got to have some some undulation in the room. I love stacking pictures on top of like big, mm. you know, just interesting scaled um, art in interesting ways. That's something that I sometimes struggle with is pairing two. I love when designers will use two paintings on top of each other. They don't have a matching frame. Yeah. They're not the same size. They probably aren't even the same, like, yeah. you know, not style, but like subject matter. Yeah. So how do you know that two different art pieces are going to have, um, like, a kind of sing together? I'm so instinct driven and I've been doing this long enough that I just kind of know. And uh -huh. I, I also feel like if you're working with one person's collection, they typically work together. Now that's okay. not always the case, but but I think if it if it looks good to you, it works. And I don't think there are any hard and fast rules. And you know, like we were decorating an apartment in New York with a really um, super fancy art collection. And I just I tend to treat it all the same. I don't know if that's good or bad, but like I treat a bazillion dollar painting the same way as I treat a $500 painting in terms right. of how to hang it and where it would look good and with what and that sort of thing. I, I think you just can't be too intimidated by it. And I, don't, I think you can't be too intimidated by the idea of decorating also. I mean, I, I think that so many of my best schemes in my mind have been schemes that I've come up with in 30 minutes or less. You know, the more I overthink mm. where a painting should go or what a pillow fabric should be or, you know, whatever, I think it looks overwrought. And I yeah. think that your first instinct is usually the best instinct. Okay. That's for good, yeah. for, well, for him. Well, for you, true. Yeah. We yeah. might need to study a little more. <laughs> we need to do some more homework. <laughs> um, one of my favorite photos that I've seen so many times of yours is that um, it feels so, uh, far, and I hope it's part of a farmhouse now that I say that, is the slate floor with the shiplap walls. And yes, you have it is part one, of that farm. Yeah. Yeah. That feeling. Um, so say I wanted to do that in my home that uh -huh. is not of that style. Is there a way to integrate that casual farm feeling into a house that shouldn't or you don't recommend? No, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think it always depends on the architecture of the space. But I think that's such a classic look that I can't imagine too many instances where that wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes like a nickel joint wall is a bit more casual and if you wanted to have a similar look but maybe it was just needs to be a bit dressier mm -hmm. you could do a painted v-groove wall you know i love um horizontal uh v-groove i think that's a fabulous way to add architecture um to sometimes a remarkable space sometimes an unremarkable space i mean i think that that really gives some texture and pattern and permanence to a number of different situations. Now, if you wanted to to add that um, that detail, do you need to add it in more than one space, or does it feel weird no. to have it in just one room? No, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, there have been there have been farms where we have done, 
you know, like a horizontal uh, nickel joint and one a vertical V groove and another a stained panel room and a third, you know, it just, and then plaster in other areas. I just think that it, um, I don't think you have to do it. I don't think you have to be consistent. Okay. I think it can totally be in one space. And in that space, that's the only room in that house that is covered in, in any sort of wood paneling. Uh-huh. And how did you say that? You just wanted a texture without... Yeah, I just felt like it need. It's such... To me, it's such... That's a, what that is, is a side entry hall. And it's practical. And, and it's very practical. There's... She has, you know, dogs and she's out on a farm and she goes and walks every morning with these labs. And it just... She needed a space where she could come in, she and her husband, and just like not have to worry about the dogs messing anything up, take off their boots, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. a, a really casual uh, background. Yeah. So you, you talked a little bit earlier about um, buying the best you can yeah. when possible. Uh-huh. And I was curious for someone that maybe is, maybe they just have furniture that they've sort of accumulated, but not collected in the intentional way. Yeah. But, um, and they they want to start doing that. They want yeah. to start investing. Uh-huh. Is there are there certain things that you feel like always work? Yeah, I think a great sofa always works. I think a beautiful you know Italian commode always works, or some sort of just really interesting chest. I think those are you know key pieces that certainly an, mm-hmm. a, a beautiful antique rug. You know, those are pieces that always work. And then, you know, I say buy the best you can, but I I also say buy things that interest you. And if something is, you know, $3 at a flea market, you should buy it if you like it and mix it in. You know, I don't think that a room needs to feel too um, precious or thought about. Okay. I love the idea of maybe you do go splurge on, you know, your sofa or yeah, that one great, great commode, piece. Can, but you could find a chair at a thrift store for a hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And upholster it in a fabric you love. Mm-hmm. You know, I always think that one great piece really elevates everything else, you know, and makes everything else look better. Now, if you have, say you find an antique chair, you have that from someone that's given to you or something. Do you typically like to do a chair that's maybe a more traditional body in a non-traditional fabric, sort of like what you were talking about with your um, your dining set. Yeah, I feel like I feel like a lot of our silhouettes in terms of upholstered furniture we use are classics. You know, mm-hmm. like I love an English arm club chair with a dressmaker skirt and a and a simple tape trim at the bottom. And I'll do that in plain linen, and I'll do it in Fortuny, or I'll do it in a great you know, print of some sort. And I think that style for me always works. Uh-huh. I love, um, I love a tufted sofa. You know, I, I just think that I like to mix up cushions in a room in terms of some things would have a tight seat and a tight back. Some things would mm-hmm. have a loose seat cushion and a tight back. You know, I don't think that um, people need to necessarily spend all their time fluffing cushions. So I, I think it's, you right. know, there need to be places to sit where it's just easy to get in and out. You don't have to worry about it. Now, let's let's talk about, speaking of fluffing chairs, um, what are your thoughts on throw pillows? Does every chair need a throw pillow? Do they all coordinate? Yeah, you know, um, so I'll usually plan a few throw pillows mm-hmm. in a room. 
and that's it. And then, and then I'll just order fabric and make throw pillows and toss them around. And like, I don't like for clients to get too hung up on throw pillow fabric because it really, it can just exhaust <laughs> yeah. you one and two, it, it's, it makes a difference, but it, it should, it, again, it goes back to the fact that I don't think it should look too planned. Uh-huh. So I like to just throw them in at the end, you know, like I love a silk taffeta on a linen velvet and mm-hmm. really mixing um, texture up, you know, but some people look at like a, say a Robin's egg blue silk taffeta and they think, oh, that's too dressy for my library. Well, it's, it's really not if, if you're putting it on a super casual like linen velvet and just mm-hmm. mixing it all up. Okay. How do I, if I, cause I feel like your rooms are polished in the end, even if relaxed, yeah. they still have a polished. How can I emulate that if I want a polished room? I think it's pers- I think it's <laughs> what I think- I, your facial expression was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's personal style, and I think it. I think it. Um, I think it just takes time to develop your personal style. If this isn't something you do every day, mm-hmm. you know, I certainly think that listening to. Um, different designers and and studying books on you know history and the history of decoration and and just there are so many ways to take what the great interior designers of the past have done and make it your own whether Mm -hmm. it's just a comfortable seating area Mm -hmm. or you know a way to mix fabrics or just or just an interesting way to mix things up that you found along the way Mm -hmm. yeah i i've always found well sorry i'm still like thinking through this throw pillow thing because I, <laughs> she's very concerned about it. Yeah. No, I just, I find them so hard. I don't love them. I, when there's too many throw pillows on a chair, I yeah, you know, so my biggest down. pet peeve is, is if you have to move a pillow to sit down, it's just flat out wrong. Okay. Like don't, right. don't put a pillow in a chair that doesn't need a pillow. And if you have a chair that is, you know, by the time you have a back cushion and a throw pillow, you have, you know, two and a half inches to sit down, <laughs> just forget it. It's just, not, and it, I think it looks ridiculous, frankly. Okay. Because what I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. is like, if I have a great silo, if I have a great looking chair and a great looking fabric on the chair and the chair's already comfortable, yeah. do I need a throw pillow at all? Yeah. If I've splurged on a great fabric. Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes a 20 inch or 18 inch, like all down throw pillow that you just kind of sink into is a really nice thing. <laughs> but I think the chair has to be, um, scaled to that, okay. you know, like I don't put giant throw pillows in French armchairs, right? which okay. I've seen people do, which just, you, you hear it now. Don't do it. That's what you know you wanted. You wanted that like hard rule. <laughs> yeah. Well, so no, it's true. I mean, I totally, I can go into maybe a sh- an interior design shop or something and see a, a beautiful pillow and be like, this is a gorgeous yeah. pillow, but I just can't. I don't know. I just not feel like then. I have yeah. a mental block. And throw pillows <laughs> on beds also. I mean, okay. like. How many is t- too many? I don't know. I mean, I listen, more than two for me is is probably too many. Like, like too, too decorative. Too decorative. Okay. Too like, I don't know, like bo- big box department store looking. Yeah. You okay. know, it's just not what yeah. civilized people need to do. Because see, I, I, I mean- Will and I both have two 
actual pillows that, yeah, you, that you use, in. right? Then I have two euros that I will sometimes use if I'm reading to sure. like sit up better. Yeah. And then I have a long bolster. Uh-huh. But really, if you're making the bed, that's seven pillows. That right. seems excessive. <laughs> right? But is it too many? I don't know. Not necessarily. <laughs> I think it depends. Like if you use them and you have one, you know, you have one long bolster pillow that makes you happy when you walk into the room because you love the color, you love yeah. the fabric. Go for it. You know, that's great. I'm just yeah. talking about, you know, the the, some of these beds yeah. you see that are just boy. laden with like a themey kind of thing that I, you know. <laughs> Thinkers and then one that says Ahoy and then one that has sequins. Yeah. His no, and thank hers. You. no, uh, no, thank you. No, that makes, well, I feel like that's probably a tough sell with a lot of um, husbands too. It's like, because they're so much more practical yeah. than we are. Yeah, true. True. <laughs> They're like, I wait, wait, where are these all going? Now, here's a question. Do you throw your throw pillows on the floor? Do you have a basket? Do you put them on a chair? What do you do with them? You know, we have a, a settee in our bedroom that they just, um, I mean, I only have one throw pillow. It's a just a like a, a long, not long, but like a rectangular, um, like silk tiger velvet kind of thing that just sits in front of the, the bed pillows that we mm-hmm. use. And okay. so I just throw it on the settee. So do you make a bed every day? Here's a question we we have talked oh, about. Oh yeah. Every day. <laughs> oh, every single day. Do you like, do I can't leave I cannot leave the house with the bed unmade. It's oh. a I I would not have a good day. <laughs> I love it. I love that answer. Okay, here's I mean, a question for you. I just can't imagine. When you stay at someone else's house, do you make the bed before you leave? You know, it depends. Sometimes they ask you not to. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, you like know, if they're going to change the sheets. Yeah, if they're going to yeah. change the sheets. I always then, try to ask, like, would yeah. you like me to take the sheets off? Yeah. And like, whatever they answer. Because I know for me, I'm like, no, don't touch the bed. Don't worry about it. Yep. Leave it. Yeah. Because I know I'll Because, just, you know, yeah. and I think it's it's different, but I, I, but I do when I'm staying at someone's house, I do make the bed every day when I'm staying there. Oh, yes. yeah. I, I feel like it's like, the polite thing to do. Absolutely. I pull the sheets back at a hotel if I'm staying there yeah. the other night. Yeah. Even if oh. someone's coming. I, yeah. No, if I'm at a hotel, I'm like, oh, I don't have to make yeah, the bed today. Yeah, I must admit I don't either. <laughs> you know what? My pet peeve at this a hotel. <laughs> yeah, right. My pet peeve at a hotel is the throw pillow that you're like. Oh, Yeah. Oh, just or the thing out at the end of the bed. I'm like, don't put no, put gross, nothing. Gross. Yeah. yeah, I want everything that you watch. <laughs> I don't care how nice the hotel is. Yeah, agree. Okay. Can I tell you all something interesting? I listened to um, one of our previous guests, Luann Nigera. She has a um, podcast that's all it's geared towards interior design, the business of interior design. Uh-huh. But she had a guest on her show who did who does like hotel interior design, hmm. and there is a functional purpose for that weird scratchy material at the foot of the bed. Do you know uh-huh. what it is? No. When someone comes into the hotel, they put their luggage on the end of the bed. And if they do that, it wears out the linens faster. So they put that weird scratchy that makes useless total sense. material yeah. on there to protect the coverlet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Isn't that strange? Okay, yeah, why is it the totally suitcase freaks me out. on yeah. the bed? <laughs> Good question. That's a good I, question. I don't want my shoes on the bed, yeah. so I would never put my suitcase on the bed. It's yeah. been rolled through the like, right, like the airport. You rolled yeah, it up right. in the Uber. Shoes and it's been down the street. Yeah, it's yeah. the same, same to me. You've been too many places. <laughs> <laughs> don't put me in my bed. Well, that's uh, good to know. Thank you, Caroline, for that tidbit. <laughs> Why do they do uh, the gross little throw pillow? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think it's time for a decorating dilemma. So 
so she says, hi, ladies. I hope it's okay if I have another question. Y'all were so helpful with my bedroom. I just need a little advice in my dining room. I just painted the walls Pharaoh and Ball Hague blue, and we are in the process of putting picture molding across the bottom. The goal of painting it blue was to convince my husband we needed navy grass cloth, and it worked, so that's coming soon. Um, anyway, I... Don't know what to do about window treatments and a rug. I feel like some drapes would be nice, but I don't know if I should do a print or a solid, light or dark. I have a Ballard banquette in red with dotty fabric and a, and dotty on all the Dana chairs. Obviously, I'm a big color fan. Should the rug be more neutral? I have the diamond sisal in my family room, but sisal probably isn't a great idea in the dining room. Thanks in advance. I mean, I think it. I think it always comes down to. to to one budget and two, what the rest of the house looks like. But, but, you know, in this case, I could see some sort of, you know, interesting striped cotton dury or Indian mm. flat weave or something like that, that had, you know, maybe a, a couple of contrasting colors. I mean, I wouldn't go too themey and do like an indigo and white kind of thing, but, you know, oh, gosh, corals, oranges, reds, blues, creams, you know, that kind of thing that has an interesting, um, maybe stripe. And then, uh, you know, I, I'd go pretty simple on the curtains and maybe do a ticking stripe or a plain linen with a cool, you know, braid that goes down the leading edges and across the bottom hem. Um, or you go simple on the rug and just do, you know, some sort of ivory, maybe wool and sisal or something like that and, mm -hmm. and go bold on the curtains, you okay. know, and do a print that you really love. But I think it looks great. I mean, and again, I, pull that red into the like drapery if you did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think you could. I think you could pull the red in with you know like in the in the banding. Mm -hmm. Now, if she did a if she did a drapery, would she leave those plantation? She has some plantation shutters already. Yeah, I think it depends how much privacy you need. I mean, okay. I I'm just such a fan of light that sometimes I feel like. Um, shutters darken a room mm -hmm. whereas i want just as much natural light as i can possibly get so you know if she doesn't need a lot of privacy then i would suggest taking them off okay. and then maybe doing maybe taking those curtains up to the crown molding and doing a, a grass window shade that you know hides that wall space between the the pole and the top of the window and it just exaggerates the proportion of the windows and mm. gives the room a bit more height now, how do you like your, um, and then it probably differs from project to project, but do you like a curtain to um, break on the floor, just barely touch it? Like you know, what's the right length? So if it's, if it's like say an unlined linen, um, not sheer, but, but a linen with a softer hand mm -hmm. and, and we do it unlined, I'll usually break it on the floor maybe half an inch okay you know, just so it barely grazes if function if if curtains are you know functional every day i typically like them just to barely touch okay you know i i'm not a big fan of curtains that that drop on the floor okay. i like things a bit more tailored now is that partially like is there a difference in how it's going to wear over time or if like it's a high traffic area? Do we need to think sure. about that? Sure. I mean, in vacuum cleaners and, okay. you know, I, I, th I think that, and, and curtains that, I mean, I don't want to use the term puddle because I don't think anyone does that anymore, but, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, but curtains that break a few inches on the floor, I mean, I think sometimes they look kind of casually good for a magazine shoot, but, but so many times they just get messed up and mm -hmm. to me look sloppy. Yeah. Okay. Ashley, good advice. luck.
Yeah. I know. She did such a great job with her bedroom. Yeah, yes. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Her living room. Can't wait great to see start to that photos. dining room. Mm-hmm. Navy walls is a good call. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like it. Well, and grass cloth is going to be even better. Yeah, I agree. I love Matthew, grass thank cloth. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you we all really for having me. This has been a treat. This has been great. Good, good. Treat for us to too and our listeners. Yes. Good, so tell good. them where they can find you. I'm at Matthew Carter Interiors on Instagram and MatthewCarterInteriors.com. All right. Awesome. Yes. Go check out his work on For that. sure. It's oh, beautiful. gosh. You'll definitely be exercising that pin it button. <laughs> 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 All right. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. We would love to read it. And of course, subscribe to the show. So it downloads straight to your phone. The show notes for each episode are at howtodecorate.com slash podcast and follow us on social media. And very exciting news. The How to Decorate podcast is now a skill on your Alexa. That's right. So you can just ask Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast after you go and enable it under the skills on Amazon.com. Yes. Super easy. Super easy. Tell Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast and your life will be so much happier. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Happy happy decorating. decorating.